Welcome to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Your hosts are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoik. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Books. Thanks for joining us as we wrap up the month of November and get ready to head into December. And I hope you had a good Thanksgiving with your family and you're all looking forward to the holiday season that is fast approaching. We did. We had a very, we had a lovely Thanksgiving, Bob, and I hope you had one too. And as you said, we're kind of headed into the holiday season, which this is a big thing in my house about when we can actually start getting all the, the winter holiday music and, and um, remember the TV specials from back in the day? I do. So we've, we've already started firing those up. <laughs> That's uh it's interesting that you mentioned that because I've been thinking about some of those myself because I started to see patrons checking them out. Um, Cause as you know, we have a, almost all of them here on D- DVD for people or Blu-ray or whatever they want to watch. Did you have any particular favorites growing up or currently that you, that you really seem to like? I like, yes. I do remember always looking forward to them coming on. Cause it's not like today where we had, VHS tapes or DVDs or um, streaming services. Like you had to wait until December to watch these. And I loved the the song I like is the one with Heat Miser and Cold Miser, which I can never remember the name of the pro the show itself because I like the song so much. What is it called? Year without a Santa Claus. Year without a Santa Claus. So I like the I'm Mr. <laughs> Heat Miser. Like I love that song. But my favorite um, special is probably the Charlie Brown um, with the tree and how it's all like so sad looking. And I mean, Snoopy's the coolest. So that was uh, that was probably my, that's probably my go to. And poor Linus, he puts the one bulb on the tree and it just falls over. I always was was partial to Rudolph. I always liked Rudolph because I like Yukon Cornelius and, and Irby, the <laughs> dentist. He wanted to be a dentist. Those guys were always good. And uh, and I like the Grinch, even though, you know, the Grinch, I like the music in the Grinch, I think. I think I like those songs. You know, he's a mean one. That you Mr. like Grinch. the classic one, like the cartoon one, not like any of the remakes that have come Not out. any of the remakes. Yeah, the cartoon ones. Yeah. And it, and it, And it's interesting, too, what you were saying about how before, like, I remember you'd have to look you know, at the TV guide when it came mm-hmm. and see if I want to watch Rudolph this year, it's got to be on this day at this time, because that's your only shot. But now it's like, you could watch Rudolph every day. It was know? a big, big event in the, in the Vanskoik household. Yes. And speaking of big events, we do have a podcast episode for people and we have a couple of guests that I'm sure everybody's going to enjoy hearing from as our staff guest, we spoke with Molly Renero who works in youth services at the Lawrence headquarters branch. And to kind of tie in with youth services and some of the stuff, we have a great uh, conversation with picture book author Diana Wilson-Serkowski about her Just One Pebble book that just came out. So two, two interviews I think people are going to enjoy, and we will be back with the first of those when we speak with Molly Renero.
Welcome to the segment of Behind the Books where we take the time to talk with a staff member from the Mercer County Library System. Today we have the great pleasure to talk with Molly Rainero, who is a youth services librarian at the Lawrence branch. Molly, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. So this is kind of a special guest for us because Molly is actually someone who would frequent the Hopewell branch quite a bit where I work, where Bob and I work. And so we would get to see her all the time. And we were just ecstatic when she came on staff at the Lawrence branch. But one of the things I'd like to find out first is kind of what do you, what are some of the things that you are responsible for at the Lawrence headquarters branch? Yeah, so um, I lead one or two programs a day, including story times and programs focused on art, music, and STEAM topics. And when I'm not leading a program, I sit at the youth reference desk to greet patrons and answer questions. And if I'm not assisting anyone, I'm usually preparing programs, displays, or take home craft kits. Sometimes I also select new books for our collection and create flyers and calendar entries to advertise my programs. And I just wanted to say that I also am so happy to be working with you guys after enjoying spending time with you so much for so many years as a patron. Um, it's it's really such a pleasure. You know what's kind of funny, Molly, is I think you are one of the first youth services librarians to talk about working at the reference desk, like helping families and kids that come in asking some questions. Like, what kind of questions do you get at the reference desk there? Um, it's more people maybe doing reports and looking for materials um, on a specific topic or just looking for, you know, books uh, that they're interested in. They, they look for read-alike books sometimes, um, which Novelist is a great tool for me to share with them and, and also use for myself to help find those recommendations. Novelist is my best friend when it comes to recommendations for kids. <laughs> and then you mentioned how, you know, you were, and Anna mentioned how you would come in as a patron first and before you got to your current position, what was, what was kind of your road to the, to the library to become a part of the staff with MCLS? Yeah, so I had always loved visiting the library growing up, and I even assisted my local librarian, Terry, in leading a friendship bracelet making program at the Princeton Public Library beginning when I was 10 years old. Um, but after college, I trained to become a teacher, but found it wasn't exactly the right fit for me. And so once I had my daughter, um, which was five years ago, uh, I stayed home with her and started bringing her to programs like Baby Time and Toddler Rock with Miss Brianna at the Hopewell Ranch and seeing you lovely folks there. Um, and I loved how these programs provided opportunities for both of us to get out of the house, make friends and engage in fun early literacy activities. I started to feel like librarianship was something I wanted to explore professionally. And eventually I took the leap and enrolled in Rutgers's Masters of Information program. And I began working at the Lawrence branch as a part-time librarian in March, 2021. I love that because it's, I, so many people I know, they always kind of wait to take that leap. And it's, it's just, and I feel like once they do, they're like, oh, this is the best decision ever to do this. Yes, that's <laughs> absolutely been my experience. I just, it's everything I had hoped and more. I love it so much. 
So Molly, I do want to talk to you about a couple of programs that I know that you are specifically coordinating um, for the Lawrence branch, um, mainly because they caught my eye and I know that they, one has been, you've been doing for a while and it's quite successful and that's our weekly, uh, the weekly upcycle challenge that you do. Would you mind talking a little bit more about that? Sure. So I started the weekly upcycle challenge in August 2021 and it's still going strong. Um, I have a cart full of materials that would otherwise be trash, like paper and fabric scraps, plastic bags, jars, corks, lots of things, um, even avocado pit slices that are dried. <laughs> um, and patrons can choose from them to complete open-ended challenges. There's a new challenge each month and patrons can drop in from one to five on Thursdays to participate. I try to think of challenges that kids can complete in a single visit or continue to work on throughout the month if they want to come back each week. Um, I feel like the Upcycle Challenge is a great way to incorporate sustainability into my work at the library while sparking kids' creativity. Often it makes more sense logistically to offer crafts here that patrons will all complete the same way using the same materials. But I really like to see what they do with the open-ended upcycle challenges, which works because of having the cart with all of these different materials available. Um, it can be intimidating, actually, for a lot of kids who are used to more guidance and for their parents. But I think it's good for them, and they always um, end up so proud with what they've made. And I also try to scaffold it by creating examples and highlighting project ideas in books from our collection for people who don't want quite such an open end on the challenge. Do you find that you have to prompt them a little bit with the open ended aspect? Because I know a lot of times people want that prototype, right? And they want it to look just like that prototype. So do you kind of have to prompt them sometimes? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't push too hard if they if they see my example and they like it and they want to try to make something similar. That's great. But I know um, Sometimes they just see the cart and they get really intimidated. It's it's overwhelming having so many choices. Um, and so it's nice to be able to give an example, give a few ideas to get them started. So in terms of the materials that you use, is it just, you know, you walk through your house and figure out things you don't need anymore and bring them in? Or do you have people that kind of donate some stuff to you? How do you get all the materials for this? It's a mixture of both. A lot of it does come from my house um, and I appreciate the, you know, being able to keep some of my waste out of the landfill. Um, but sometimes I do solicit specific materials or sometimes some of my coworkers will come up and ask, oh, hey, could you use something like this? Um, like another librarian, Kimberly today, just offered me some felt scraps from a craft that she was doing, which is always very welcome. You love felt. Um. <laughs> you had talked a little bit about your um, music background, music experience, and from what I understand, you are uh, starting a new endeavor with the library uh, with a new program that is going to be starting for the Lawrence Headquarters Branch on a regular basis. Do, would That's you mind right. talking about that one a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So this month, November, um, my colleague Jen Crabtree and I are starting a weekly round singing program for all ages on Mondays at four. Singing in community is an experience I've always found to be very special and powerful. I always sang in choirs growing up. 
but most of the choral opportunities I found as an adult require more of a commitment than I'm able to make these days as a parent of young children. And I'm hoping others feel the same and this relaxed drop-in program families can enjoy together will meet that need. But just to be clear, adults are also welcome to come without children. We really wanna make this welcoming and inclusive for everyone. All you need to participate is a love of singing. And for children who are too young to sing, we'll provide shakers and scarves. And we can't wait to see everyone there. So can adults have shakers and scarves too? <laughs> sure, yes, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Is there a minimum skillability? Like you wouldn't turn somebody away who was really a pretty poor singer. You'd say, sure, come join us. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's welcome. That's the really awesome thing about rounds for people who don't know. Um, they're, they can be very simple. They There can be more advanced ones, too, that maybe we could try at some point, depending on what kind of group we get. But even Row, Row, Row Your Boat and Frere Jaca are examples of songs that people have learned as you know, from childhood that really anyone can sing. But when you sing them and you start a little bit later, the second group, then it creates a harmony. And so that's why Jen and I are leading it together. So we can each lead one group and no matter whether people have any experience or, or talent with singing, you know, they can, we can lead their groups and it'll work out. I have such great memories of singing rounds in grade school. When you said Frere Jaca, I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally had forgotten about that. <laughs> it's really magical the way it can take this simple melody and turn it into this beautiful harmony. Um, I, I just love it. Well, Molly, we are so lucky to have you on staff. As I said initially, I was thrilled when I learned that you were going to be joining the Lawrence headquarters branch. We've been talking with Molly Reynero from Lawrence, uh, who is part of Youth Services there. Molly, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. It's been a joy. Thank you so much. Me too. It's been such a pleasure. And I'll see you soon, probably at the Hopewell branch. <laughs> Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Row your boat gently down the merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Welcome back, everyone, to the next segment of Behind the Books. Thanks so much to Molly Renero for taking the time to talk to us, and hopefully everyone enjoyed that little snippet of she and Jen Crabtree doing their round um, as we moved from her interview into this segment. We have a lot of things planned in December for the youth and for adults that will be going on at the branches. So make sure you check out our website, mcl.org, or go on the app, my MCLSNJ, and check out what we have coming up in December. There's going to be plenty of activity. And we also have some virtual programs, I'm sure, Anna, that people are going to want to tune into. Yeah, my first one I wanted to talk about, but before I get into it, I want to ask you, did you see the Barbie movie? I did see the Barbie movie. Well, you're one up on me because I have not seen the Barbie movie yet. So for those of you who have, whether you've seen the Barbie movie or not, we have on uh, December 4th, which is a Monday evening at seven o'clock, uh, the program Barbie, an American icon. And so this is going to be presented by Rick Feingold, who is a lecturer in American business history at Bergen Community College. And he's going to talk about the history of Barbie and its creation and kind of its role um, in the whole toy industry. 
So again, that's on Monday, December 4th at 7 in the evening, and that is a virtual program, so you will need to register to get the link. Uh, it's also, we're starting to get into the holidays, and I know I've already, I've stuffed myself with Thanksgiving dinner, and it's already, sweets are a, a persistent distraction at the workplace right now, which <laughs> is just ridiculous. So the, another program that we wanted to offer was small ways to eat healthy over the holidays. And I definitely plan on going to this one, which is Wednesday, December 6th at one in the afternoon. And this is going to be presented by uh, Ricardo Carrios, who is from the Family and Community Health Sciences Educator for Mercer County. So again, that is on Wednesday, December 6th at one in the afternoon. And that is a virtual program, so you would need to register to get the link, either going to mcl.org to our event calendar, or you can use the MyMCLSNJ app and register for the link that way. And I got to say, I'm a little relieved because I know you asked if I'd seen the Barbie movie, and I thought you were going to ask me for my synopsis of it. So I'll say I did see it, and it's actually pretty good. There's some parts in there that we're a little hokey, but overall, I'd recommend it to people, especially if you can check it out from the uh, your local branch of the Mercer County Library System. But enough with the Barbie talk for now, Anna. Let's move on to our next interview, and it's a nice one with a picture book author who's written a couple of they're very inspirational type books, and people are going to enjoy our chat. Coming right up with Diana Wilson-Sukowski. Diana Wilson-Sarkowski's life has always been filled with books and cats. Passions learned from her grandma Marge and her mother Isabel. She renewed her love for picture books while reading to her children, inspiring her to write and share stories of her own later in life. Her family and herself are deeply committed to animal rescue and the ethical treatment of animals. They had nine beloved rescue cats that shared their lives for many years. She works as a senior administrator at, at McGill University in Montreal, Canada, where she lives with her husband, David, who shares great ideas for stories and is her sounding board. Diana, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled. I should just make one comment that I, since, since that was written, I have since retired. Oh, you well, congratulations. Well, you've got other things to do. Yes, yes. I think I'm busier now than I was then. That's I think that's very common with a lot of retired people, but I love what you are doing um, with your picture books. And the one that we really want to talk about, we'll talk probably mostly about today, is Just One Pebble, One Boy's Quest to End Hunger, which came out in September of this year. That's correct. It, it uh, came to shelves on my 65th birthday. Oh, my goodness. Oh. And to the it, day, which was a lovely gift. <laughs> <laughs> and it's such an amazingly unique topic um, with such an important one, especially for a picture book. Can you talk a little bit about kind of the storyline of the of the picture book? Sure. Well, it's um, it's a true story of Braden Mannering. And I read Braden's story initially on the Greater Good Network which I, it's, it's a network where you can go 
you know, to make daily clicks to help raise money for various funds like animal rescue and, and the hunger, you know, hunger site. And, and, and yeah, so I read about Braden's story and I, he was, you know, this little nine-year-old boy who initially um, won his Delaware state uh, healthy lunch challenge. And as a result, um, as the Delaware winner, he went to a luncheon at the white house with the children winners of the other states and the luncheon was put on by uh, then first lady Michelle Obama. And she had the kids there. And at the end, she challenged them all to go home and pay this positive experience forward to find a way to do something to, to help in their communities. You know, so Braden went home and like most kids really didn't know what he could do. And one day he was driving with his mom and he saw a homeless man on the street. And uh, it was raining and he went home, they, they went home and he couldn't stop thinking about this man. So he put together a bag of food and a bottle of water and an umbrella. And he asked his mom to drive him back to give it to this man, which he did. And that was the beginning. And this little boy at nine years old started his own nonprofit organization to feed uh, needy people in his community. And I thought, wow, what a story just child-centered, child-friendly, so apropos for everything that, that our communities are facing today. And I thought, and this just shows kids and adults alike the difference that one person can make in their community. So I had to write it. <laughs> and it's it's so, it's such a beautiful story. And well, I mean, and it talks about Brayden as, I mean, people have said this activist, but also it's such, um, such a lesson in empathy and awareness and mm -hmm. oh my gosh I'm getting misty <laughs> yeah. it. it doesn't take yeah. much Diana <laughs> well I, I'm, I'm happy about that because I I feel that that this is I'm hoping this is the the feeling that the story will evoke I have had feedback from other people saying that their kids were were motivated when they read this story and I thought what could be better isn't that's why we write you know, and this story is just, it's just such a, a, a worthwhile and, and inspiring story. And what's interesting to me is it's a, it's a great topic and we see a lot of these different stories over the course of time, but you took that extra step to, I, I would imagine you had to get in touch with Braden or people around him and, and what, from the writing aspect, what went into being able to put that story into the book? Well, what I did was I wrote the story first. And uh, as soon as I read about Braden, I went on and Googled and did some research. I found his Facebook page and I found articles that had been written about him. And I was able to get a really good feel for his voice by his writings on Facebook and a sort of his, his path that he had followed. Because although he's older now, he's, he's 20 now, but of course I wrote the story when he started his journey. And uh, so those were very helpful uh, for me to get an idea of how his journey started and his voice to, to help describe in, in, in the dialogue. And once the story was written, I reached out to him and his mom. And I said, I was so inspired by your story. I've written this picture book. Don't get your hopes up in any <laughs> way, shape or form, because the odds of it ever being published are, you know, one in a million. But I said, I, I would, uh, I'd love to send you the story and see what you think. So I sent them the story and they were thrilled and very supportive. 
And so then I said, okay, now we sit back. I'm going to send it out to everybody and their dog. And then we're going to wait and see if somebody will take it. I was just so, so thrilled to be able to write to Braden and his mom and say, your story is going out into the world. That was oh. the highlight of the whole thing for me. So he was nine. When you read the story, the, when you found him through his, through the um, research that you were doing, he was nine years old. So he had, how old is he now? Well, the story was written about him when he was nine. Okay. Probably at that time he was... 15 or 16. Okay. Okay. And he is now 20. And his he's still he still is part of this 3B. Yes, 3B. Braze Brown Bags is the name of his organization, or 3B for short. Yes. And yes, it's still still a going concern for sure. To the point where there's actually other organizations now. It's kind of rippled they, out. They have had um ripples, they call them, 3B ripples which is the play on the title of, of the pebble falling into the water. And yes, it's spread to other schools and to scouting groups and to church groups and, and, and even to some groups out of state. Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, I have to say, I'm, I'm very impressed with the, the way that you find not only that story, but your first book, James reading rescue, which for people who don't know is about a cat rescue shelter which has a reading program, right? So younger children can come in if they struggle with reading and they read to the to the cats. That correct? is correct. That that is also a true story, but I didn't write it with the real person. I I, I wrote a fictionalized version of the true story. But I was just googling through various stories and going from trail to trail, and then I came across this story about this rescue shelter in Pennsylvania. And uh, this program and the program started that one of the volunteers, her son was really struggling with reading and was, you know, miserable about it and sad. And so she said, bring in your books and just read to the cats. She said, just read to the cats. And so he did. And I mean, it was just such a win-win story. He improved his reading and it helped to socialize the cats. And what really, really captured me on that story was a picture that accompanied the article of this little boy sitting on a bench with an open book and this cat was leaning against his arm and looking down at the book over his shoulder. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is just the most amazing thing. My son struggled with reading. We're a huge cat rescue family. And I thought this story was meant for me to write. I just, I, I've never written a story. But I said, I have, I have to write this. So then I'm madly Googling to make sure that nobody else has ever written this story. And I couldn't find anything on it. So then, yeah. So I just thought this, this is for me. It's everything that I love. Reading, kids, cats, all good stuff. I want to shift a little bit because there's, there's James's Reading Rescue and then Just One Pebble. And you've had the good fortune to work with the same illustrator for each Sarah. other not that doesn't always happen and it was uh Sarah um Casilda Casilda yeah. thank you uh can you talk about a little bit about working with the illustrator because these were two very different projects for her as well because mm -hmm. as you said the first one's fictionalized the second one she's basing the pictures on real people real people yeah and she was so up for the challenge I mean she's just a dream the the lovely thing and the unusual thing about Clavis is that they allow the authors to have some feedback on their choice of illustrator. 
this is almost unheard of in the industry because the vast majority of writers never even see the illustrations until they get their book in the mail, you know, which is very unnerving for sure. For the first book, um, they asked me, you know, to send them some illustrators whose work I liked. So I did that. And they came back with some suggestions of their of their own. They sent back three people and I looked at their work and I loved Sarah's work. And I said, yes, I said, let's reach out to Sarah. So, yeah, so she came on board for the first one and we emailed back and forth throughout the process, which, again, is virtually unheard of and so, so wonderful for a writer to have that input I can't tell you how wonderful it is for a writer to have that because you have the pictures in your mind you know so she um she modeled James a little bit on my son slightly he wore glasses he liked the color blue and um she introduced her own cat because there's lots of white cats in the book you'll notice her cat Luna is in the book as well and I specifically made Ghost the prime cat character as an all-black cat because black cats are the least adopted. And I wanted, yeah, yeah, people have still have these outlandish suspicions, superstitions about black superstition, cats. Yeah. yeah, and and black dogs too are amongst the, the lowest numbers adopted. But so I really wanted to make a point that that ghost was a black cat. And uh, yeah, so then when it came to the second book, um, I asked, if if we could go with Sarah and they were completely open to it and she was um busy with another project at the time so it bumped our book from the spring from the summer catalog to the fall catalog but I was more than happy to wait for that because she's so worth waiting for oh that's awesome yeah. and then there the other thing I wanted to touch on before we let you go is in um just one pebble uh I, I love in the back, you, you have a little, there's a little bit about Brayden and then a little bit about um, the one simple bag, you know, just that one bag of giving. Um, but then there's a word from Brayden in there yes, as well, that. Yeah, which is just lovely. It's just talking about the kindness and how you can make a difference yeah. and kind of building on that, that pebble and how it ripples out. And I feel like your book has done that. It's a pebble in itself where, I mean, um, kids, you know, families are reading it and they're inspiring their kids. So thank well, that, you. <laughs> thank you so much for that. And I would just like to mention quickly, if I may, that the title came from something that Christy Braden's mom said to him one day. Uh, she said to him that, you know, kindness is like a pebble dropped in a pond. The ripples spread and good works, the ripples spread. And so I made Braden the pebble because that's what he is. We've been talking with Diana wilson Sirkowski uh, about her recent release, Just One Pebble, One Boy's Quest to End Hunger. We highly recommend that you check it out. Diana, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. And we cannot wait to see what comes from you in the future. Oh, thank you so much. Your kindness is just so appreciated. And I just, I'm just so thrilled to be here. Thank you. What a wondrous thing. When the children of the thing, when the children of the world, they play together in peace. Welcome back, everyone, as we wrap up this episode of Behind the Books. Hopefully everyone enjoyed another round from Molly Renero and, and Jen Crabtree. Make sure you check those out when they start doing that program at Lawrence. And thanks to Diana Wilson-Sierkowski for taking the time to talk to us about 
her latest picture book, Just One Pebble. And and it was and it, the thing that I was really intrigued by in talking to her is how she, you know, basically found this story about this person in Delaware. She lives up in Canada. She finds out about this story and she goes in and she does some research and writes it and then she checks she tracks down Braden and he's now twenty years old and people are really going to enjoy reading the book and everything that's in there. I think also, I didn't really think about this, but it's a timely interview because, you know, we are in the holidays and it is a time for giving and kind of thinking of those who are in need. Um, But I think that it's a message that's all year round as well. And I think I love how there was the story that she talked about how the mother Braden's mother talked about one pebble and how it ripples the ripple effect kind of like that pay it forward aspect and I think her book and I said this to her I think her book is its own pebble where it is reading the story to kids it, it's going to bring an awareness and empathy um so I think it really was this, it was a very powerful discussion with her and I, I'm very very appreciative that you reached out to her and and set up an interview and also the other book that she had written before that, James's Reading Rescue, kind of followed the same pattern, right? Here's a here's a young man that was struggling with reading, and you know they they ended up having starting a reading thing with to the cats at the, the cat shelter. So that was another one, also pretty inspirational message in that one as well. There was that kind of win-win situation, you know, kids who were struggling um, with the cats who were getting social, you know, going through a, being able to be socialized as well. And then in our chat with Molly Ranero, I think I went into that knowing it was going to be a lot of fun talking to her just from having seen her come through our branch here at Hopo before she started working at Lawrence. And she, as with almost everybody that we've talked to over the course of the podcast, she really enjoys her job and what she's doing over there at Lawrence. She is, when she decided to go and cause she was, she's a regular at our branch. And when she decided to go into librarianship, it just, it was such the perfect choice for her. And I think she she has that vision for libraries and what they can bring to people of all ages. I mean, she primarily works with kids, but I think that she's she does a lot of programs dealing with the environment and um, just with kind of, she's incorporated kind of that environmental uh, awareness into a lot of her programs. And I think that she's just been a great, great fit over at the Lawrence branch. So I was very excited when she decided to, when she agreed to talk with us. So Anna, two great people, two great conversations. I know I had a lot of fun talking to both of them and I'm looking forward to whatever we have up, coming up next down the road on Behind the Books. Once again, we do want to thank Molly Renero as well as Diana Wilson-Sarkowski for taking time to talk with us. Bob, it's been a lot of fun uh, and I will see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a review. For more information about the Mercer County Library System, please visit us on the web at mcl.org. We are produced by Laura Narosik. Our thanks goes out to Kim Livingston for her technical expertise, as well as to Dana Benner for creating our cover art. Your host, are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoy.